Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girlbomb. Girlbomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girlbomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self-care. So to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Girlbomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. The Around the NFL podcast. Can't even jog a 40-yard dash. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a stadium filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Day two of the press conferences here in Indianapolis at the 2018 NFL Scouting, 2019 NFL Scouting Combine. We are here at Lucas Oil Stadium, one of the finest facilities in this country uh, to play professional football. My humble opinion, Mark, yay or nay? Day two has a way of feeling like day 22. I think that your constant <laughs> praise of this uh, stadium mm-hmm. has something to do with the fact that the only time we've ever watched actual football in here. One game. The total, utter demise of the Patriots. It there has to be some be, psychic wasn't link total to that. or utter. For, uh, for well, my money, yeah, the most painful. For that season. The most Greg painful. told me something in the airport, uh, today in the elevator to his mind. Greg believes that is the worst Patriots loss of his lifetime, not 18-1. and one. No, I think that one was worth I've said this on the podcast before because it was the second time around. Brady wasn't playing well. You thought they would never get another chance again. And it was the Giants beating them a second time. So it was even worse. Yeah, and you just hurts. thought it was over. Greg also told me that he's still smug about this year's Super Bowl. Well, I w- well, that's this is separate. But you were you s- memorably, <laughs> at least in my mind, told me I've never seemed more smug after a Super Bowl than this. And he, and he was right, at least in terms of, that. and I and now weeks later agree. Like I, no Super Bowl win has ever made me happy. You I don't said want. You don't want next. I don't want the season to start. To start. That's let's smug. just keep keep them as the champions. Let's not even move on. After we finish bathe in this, Ricky. Right? Come on. After we finish recording uh, the show, we're all going to go find the elevator. Uh, door where Giselle said, Tom can throw the ball and catch it as well. <laughs> That's what Giselle sounds like. Nailed it. All right. Big show. <laughs> Big Thursday, uh, Friday show, early Friday show. We're going to get a lot uh, of uh, more press conference reactions. Uh, this was the second day. Coaches and GMs, not as many as on Wednesday, so not as much news, but 
you know, the NFL calendar has a way, uh, the NFL cycle has a way of dropping a bomb when you want one. We could, we're like, oh, we're missing maybe a, a hammer dropper to start today's show. And then what happens? Jason Witten, ESPN analyst, or he was because he's out of the booth Monday Night Football. That's over. No more Jason Witten. No more, Ricky. He's out. Wes, you could listen to, you could watch NFL games on Monday night with the volume up again because Witten is out of the booth. Where is he going? Well, you know it. He's back on the Dallas Cowboys after a one-year hiatus, as it turns out. He's going to return to the Cowboys for a 16th season. Uh, This was genuinely, Mark, shocking news because – I mean, last time we saw Jason Witten, he was pretty much done, it seemed like. I, I took a nap during the middle of the day today and woke up. <laughs> and the reason I didn't tweet about Never it Never stop that, grinding, Mark. Well, no, but it's like I woke up and I said. Or I, just stop grinding for like three stop. hours. I read that Jason Witten had unretired, and I thought that in my mind, I thought that Jason Garrett had retired while I fell asleep and then unretired before I woke up. But it was Jason Witten, and <laughs> it is a – I, I kind of feel like um, there's a, something much deeper happening here. We can get into that. With, I think the Cowboys view him as a long-term asset that may be more of a coaching asset down the road, and they're masking it in all this pretty escape from what was an unpleasant job for him. From another angle, the football gods occasionally just look down on the entire populace that roots for the game and says, we must make a course correction. This is a thankful course correction, I think, first of all for Jason Witten, but for people like Wes and myself who – found those broadcasts um, rather intolerable. I will say, you might need to go a little deeper <laughs> with that announcing team. It's not just him, but there's more to talk about. <laughs> you called it a pretty escape, and I had a feeling this is like a heist. Mm. It's kind of like the perfect plan. Was that the Bill Paxton movie? you got to have a perfect plan to get out of this broadcast crew on Monday Night Football, and I think it happened. They pulled off a heist. I, I guess so, but I don't think – in where this is off topic, but I don't think he was ever coming back. I know they said that publicly, but that was before the last few games, and I will go to my grave believing that the the Christmas Eve telecast when they were doing the Raiders game, you and, then, that and then 45 minutes of the Pro Bowl, which I also watched, were two of maybe the worst telecasts of any American major sports, and they could feel, they were a 1-14 team who the coach hadn't been fired, and they felt this pressure, and it was bad. No one wants to enjoy sports like that. He seems like a nice guy, so it works out great for him and for the viewers. I don't know if it works out great for the Cowboys, though. This is a team that always is like holding on to their past and being too sentimental and not really self-scouting well. And why are you, so why are you paying Jason Witten three and a half to $5 million to play 25 snaps, they say, uh, when he had 8.9 yards per catch the last time and he couldn't move and he just sat out a year and he's 37 years that, old. That was my initial take. When I first heard the news, I was like, okay, it feels like the Cowboys are doing one of their great sons a big-time solid they want to get him back in the building. Maybe they have eyes on him going joining the coaching staff. Maybe they just have him in the building for training camp, the summer programs, OTAs, and then he can re, <laughs> you know reevaluate. Do I really want to play, or do I just step away from the game? And I already got my my nice out out of Monday Night Football to keep my dignity intact. But the three and a half million dollar thing is what's a little bit strange to me because now that is not going to blow up anybody's salary cap, but that is a decent amount of scratch for, yeah, the reports out that out there, Wes, he's playing Antonio Gates snaps, and Gates was basically a, a non-entity on the Chargers this year. There are different ways to run a franchise, and certainly not everybody has to do what the Patriots do. 
But you could never see the Patriots making a move like this. Never. In fact, you could never see any legitimate Super Bowl contender <laughs> doing something like this, devoting that much of their payroll. I know 3.5 to $5 million isn't you know, what a quarterback makes, but they have a lot of guys to pay. Byron Jones, Zeke Elliott, Amari Cooper. Dak know, Prescott. DeMar- Demarcus Lawrence, Dak Prescott. Sooner or later, Jalen Smith. I mean – and then you're just throwing away money on a tight end? They fall in love with these guys, and part of the reason they have to play Demarcus Lawrence so much money is because they wouldn't give up on Randy Gregory or David Irving no matter what they did as Dallas Cowboys. They just couldn't give it up. And so now those guys are gone. Gregory's suspended. Irving's going to leave via free agency. And But it's because they're, they want to hold on to their guys. And I know Witten's a totally different case. He's a classic guy, and they just did you know an hour-and-a-half-long uh, you know, press conference goodbye to him. I want my you know time back from that. That was ridiculous. But it it just doesn't make sense to me because you're it's a pro, he's a progress. Stopper. I just I I think this has very little to do ultimately with Jason Witten the player or Jason Witten filling a giant tight end need for the Cowboys. They had Jason Garrett in house outside of a short break essentially for two decades, and they, Jerry They're Jones loyal. is on record saying, we see people, we want to make them part of the Jerry Jones family and grow them, and they've talked. there are people out there saying that they view Jason Witten as a future coach, and he has Garrett on a very short leash, and maybe this is you learn under Garrett, but I think it's funny that ultimately he attempted Jason Witten to enter a field where his best friend the year before went in and absolutely blew the doors off. And it's largely because of Tony Romo, his best friend, that he, his performance was in such contrast that in one year he's out. Mm. You have to be quickly – you have to be a broadcaster that shines right away. Um, I was thinking uh, Des Bryant, though, how he kind of was proven right. Keisha, uh, the paramour, sent it out. You know, Gar- hashtag Garrett, Garrett guys. I mean, it's like it's Jason Witten is the ultimate Garrett guy. That's fair. And Until they bring Des Bryant back in August. This is the one. Th- <laughs> yeah, don't rule that out. Uh, this is the one thing, um, Greg, when it hurts that you are a football junkie because you watch an hour-long Cowboys press conference. You watch that Christmas Eve game between like two. I was at work for the Witten teams. We had it on our air. You know, you, you watch the draft. I mean, you watch the Pro Bowl. Who does such a thing? So you kind of had to eat some of the farts on that one. Well, I have- <laughs> Not a lot of us. I'm glad I did it. Because it was something – I've watched a million different telecasts, and this was such a crazy train wreck. And, like, the psychological thing that was going on – like, sometimes it's fascinating to watch just a, a thing in ruin and on fire. And that's what that I'm was. i to go back and check this so out. So you literally pass. just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> in that case, yes. At Some least, people Like, just sometimes it's so bad it's good. Burn. So, yes. It was, I couldn't believe what was happening. You definitely are like a Heath Ledger joker of the podcast. He's got that vibe. <laughs> I mean, I'll take that. Um, Antonio Brown, you heard about this guy, right? He wants to get out of town in Pittsburgh. A lot of people are connecting dots and saying, well, the 49ers, they got cap space. They need a playmaker. They got a young quarterback. They really want to get going. Uh, but John Lynch, the Niners GM, he is one of the uh, figures that was uh, at the podium today. He had had this to say about conversations between John Lynch and the Steelers about a potential trade. We have not. Um, we have not. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's funny, the world we live in where, you know, one tweet from a player to another turns into uh, interest and all of that. But, hey, that is the world we live in. Um, I can tell you that, uh, like every team in this league, we think the guy's a heck of a football player, but we have not had talks with the Steelers. I can tell you that. Wes. Uh, assuming he's telling the truth, which maybe he's not, is it 
telling that they haven't even picked up the phone. It's very telling, and we have good reason to believe he's telling the truth because our Steve Weiss reported immediately after this that the 49ers just simply have no interest in Antonio Brown right now. And we have said all along that there are going to be teams, no matter how good this guy is, who who will not even consider him, who won't have him in the building, they won't bring him in, they won't trade for him, and it appears the 49ers are one of those teams. Well, no one will admit to having uh, called them. At least the, the teams that are most likely, the the Browns said today, John Dorsey, uh, that they hadn't called him. Well, he held up his cell phone and said, "Call me." Right. And he said, "He said you got you got my number, baby." By the way, I I, I hear like voices. And I'm the like, Jets. Who's, who's talking in this suite? And then I look over my shoulder. It's Browns legend Joe Thomas doing a stand up in the suite next door. Mark, can you go tell that old legend to talk, you know quiet down a little bit? Construction I had such terrible eyesight that I did not realize that was him until now, and now I'm trying to. Keep myself together to do the rest of the show. Uh, he's doing a, a rehearsal, joining the NFL Network's combine coverage for the offensive line. NFL Network, one 9 suite over. Just like one. Or how about Greg, skip NFL Network and take over the Monday Night Football I, job? Well, we talked about. Well, we talked about before the show. If, if ever something happened to you, Mark, we need to put another Browns fan in. Joe Thomas, a big Browns fan. That would be a massive upgrade for you. <laughs> <laughs> New left tackle on the show. Uh, Joe Thomas, where were we? Sorry. 49ers. Yes. Oh, so Weiss, Weiss reports, and it's great to see Steve at the company. One of Absolutely. the nice guys of the company. Absolutely. Great reporter. So you buy into what he's having to say. So the, the Niners are not in play, and you wonder if this is all tied back to Antonio Brown shenanigans, if that's what's uh, what has scared off the 49ers. It's expensive to go get them, too, and it's expensive in multiple ways because you have to assess if the Niners locker room is the right place for them. If they don't feel they can't grow their team through the draft. And I think John Lynch is still committed to not mortgaging the future for one veteran when you are not one veteran away from becoming an NFC title. It's so unpredictable, but he has a $2.5 million roster bonus on March 17th. There's some thought that teams will just wait until after that. Like, and and in general, that the time right before the NFL draft is the most likely time that he could get traded. In other presser news, Chiefs general manager Brett Veach took the podium and was asked about rap sheets uh, report on Wednesday that Kansas City is engaged in trade talks involving uh, their former all-pro outside linebacker Justin Houston. Uh, This is what he had to say. Obviously, I've seen it myself out there. Uh, Listen, Justin Houston is a great player, and our deal is to acquire and and maintain as many great players as you can. Uh, He goes on on to say that he's in communications with GM. So, essentially, he does not shoot it down. They're trying to move this man. They're trying to move him, and Rap Sheet has reported that there is legitimate interest in a trade for a guy with a, a cap number around $15 million. And he's, you know, maybe past his prime a little bit, but he and D. Ford last year were the only two teammates in the top ten in pressure rate. He, he was still getting the job done. He's solid. I mean, he stops the run. He rushes the passer. I mean, he's not quite what he was when he signed that $100 million contract, but it says a lot when he's going to get – he might get to the end of that $100 million contract. I love that that these, almost never happened. I, I love when these guys, and this has happened a couple times during this combine, and what, I, I feel for them because what do they say for 15 minutes when they're just trying to not give away any information? It's like, oh, I've seen that report out there. Oh, have you? And like, I mean, you honestly are generating and taking calls and calling people and discussing this. It's not, <laughs> you're not finding this out from ju- some jabroni that, that tweeted about How it. How about that? Real journal well, work. While you were doing that, it elicited Mark, an answer that annoyed me. So thank you, Greg. Mark and I were sitting down comparing notes about the exact ways in which our bodies were breaking down. 
and uh, <laughs> we, we noticed <laughs> we noticed the um, similarities between Greg and Brett Veach. It was like they looked at each other, and it was the Spider-Man meme. Yeah, I mean, I think that's <laughs> I think that's the uh, the cruelest thing you've ever said to me. What? That you look like Brett Veach? I mean. Who you wants made to the be co- You also Veach? made the. I, I said it off the bat. I was like, you know, he's if, a little beefier someone, than I, you, though. If I got to play, if I got to play someone in the movie, it's probably Veach. But let's face it, it's not great. What's wrong with Veach? Let's face it, Veach isn't getting picked first uh, in, in the uh, the basketball game. I mean, his name is Brett Veach. Let's start there. What's wrong with that? It was not a guy. Who usually, is a, like a, a star athlete. Or you know, I don't think. Uh, by the way, I don't think anyone's given up much for Justin Houston. This is like some pick swap nonsense in the fifth to fourth round. It's like that's that's how play, players like that get traded. Um, other news: a lot of quarterback news at the combine. Everybody loves talking about quarterbacks. Ron Rivera uh, of the Panthers, the head coach, uh, said that the team is comfortable with Kyle. Allen and Taylor Heineke backing up Cam Newton heading into 2019. Why is this notable? Cam Newton just had another shoulder surgery, and all the reports, uh, Mark, have been very good. That Cam, not it went from right after the season ended, is this guy, is he going to miss the 2019 season, to now that he might be ready for training camp, and it's a great sign, and the idea that the Panthers don't feel like they need to go get an established type backup, a Tyrod Taylor or someone of that nature Another good sign that Cam will be ready to roll. I mean, the best thing you can do as a coach or GM is come here and bury a narrative that would linger for months if there was anything that went in a different direction. So when you say, we're not going to pursue anyone. Also, who are you going to pursue? They have, they believe in their backup. They're fine. It's like there's no reason well, Kaepernick, to Kaepernick, that's, it was, it was, well, okay, it was addressing, that's what it was. Because yeah. people think, because Tepper's kind of, Put little, there's been breadcrumbs that that and the agent for Kaepernick put the Panthers out there as kind of the most likely team. So I think that was Rivera's way of saying. And he said, if we add a quarterback, it'll be via the draft. We're not signing a veteran. So I think he was just like kind of letting that narrative down lightly. I, I guess I'll sit out there as someone that doesn't believe that any of the owners at this point has any interest in signing Colin Kaepernick. I think I don't some would, hear. including like well, a David. Then Tepper, go but, do it. But, but it's, it's fine. It's fine to put out that PR it. out there that right. makes you look like that. Next level thinking owner, but then you never do it. By the way, we uh, we heard from a Panthers fan that mentioned we haven't really said them, talked about them on the podcast for like four straight shows. So uh, here we are in the Panthers lair. Rawr, <laughs> rawr. No, that's Let's, cut that that. Let's get that on video. <laughs> turn into but a, the, yeah. there was a few other nuggets from Rivera, though. And, and the Nugs? biggest one is that Greg Olson said he's coming back next year, which I kind of thought he might be done. And then that was before the Jason Witten news. We know that Greg Olson tried out for that Monday night football role. It makes you wonder, would he be a candidate? You know That's I probably, a break. A... I need a break from uh, productive veteran tight ends. Right. And so I, it's <laughs> in it, but the the yes. big takeaway for me was he's playing and the Panthers want him back and he's, he, they expect him back. And they're also bringing back uh, Matt Khalil, who signed one of the worst contracts uh, in the NFL, signed by Dave Gettleman when he was still there. All right, now it's been too much Panthers talk. <laughs> Remember the old Jordan Gross retirement press conference? Oh, yeah. Oh, with the uh, the band played, wasn't it? Wait until they do this one with Julius Peppers, Thomas Davis, and Ryan Khalil all walking away from the Panthers in the same year. Ooh. Is what it? was it? They were the um, acapella singers. <laughs> you were really upset about that because that you like you were extra. just like, ooh, Jordan Gross, you know, yeah, put some just, respect on his name. It just seemed a little silly. Uh, do you, is there anything in the world that is in more constant agony than Greg Olson's feet? <laughs> no, it's got to be on a top three list. Well, my ears are fine now that it whittens out of the boots. So. My about Mark's uh, leg? <laughs> That's That's, that is in hot shape. Mark was limping around the uh, press conferences today. He's a real warrior. 
Then he took a three-hour nap, and he's you know now he's back to normal. Oh, I'm the only one that rested today during our four-hour break. <laughs> Grind thirty for me, man. Hey, I was putting up that third debrief we for know, the week. Oh Greg, yeah, we know, we know, because I you make that painfully two shows clear out, for everyone you know. in the company. <laughs> oh, well, what, what is that? <laughs> the Bunsen burner blowtorch. Um, one final thought: If we're in the Panthers' lair, we're in the Panthers' lair. What? If the Panthers More ever Panthers. signed Colin Kaepernick, the previous owner once asked Cam Newton before he drafted him. If he has any tattoos, and if he had tattoos, he wouldn't be the face of the franchise. That would be the ultimate 180 for an organization over 10 years. Remember that? Yeah. I do Nonsense. remember. Nonsense. Yes. I oh, my goodness. That. Jerry Richardson, where are you now? Let's move on. The 1950s. Knock that statue down. Take it down, Mr. Gorbachev. Yeah, that was a solid Tear 10 minutes on the Carolina Panthers. Statue. Yeah. Whoever was tweeting at us, pipe down now. Let's move on. It's probably like a burner account from David Ely. Our boy, Les Snead, the Rams GM, nice guy. He's been successful in his post in recent seasons. He uh, was at the podium. He talked about Todd Gurley. Uh, obviously, Todd Gurley is continues to be a, a mystery man, even now weeks after the Super Bowl, about his usage down the stretch and whether he was healthy or not. Well, uh, the GM expounded Thursday on Gurley's situation and addressed the question about how the team will manage the 24-year-old's usage Moving forward, let's hear what he had to say. I think where we have to to go is to fast forward to now is with Todd, he's had a lot of carries since he's come to the league and a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, things like that. So obviously senior year, junior year, Georgia did the ACL. So over that time, there's an element of wear and tear and I think we have to determine in probably two stages, right? Uh, are we going to give him the amount of load that he's had in the past? Are we going to lessen that load to, let's say, keep him fresher for the season and for seasons beyond? Wes, your thoughts on these comments. This one, Wes got a little sauce up on this one. Well, not well, drunk, but, you know, you were interested <laughs> by these comments. Well, first of all, I love – the less need little um, verbal um, habit, little tradition that he has. Of He always says, uh, and then you got Todd Gurley and his workload. He's a little worn down, and we're going to have, let's call it a Batman and Robin situation <laughs> right. in the backfield. Or let's say it's a Batman and Robin situation. Mm. I don't want to hear Batman and Robin after you made Todd Gurley the highest paid player in the game. That's quite a come down. It's quite a come down that you're going to have an well, A. Well, he would be Batman still. Yeah, one right. of the highest grossing uh, movies of all time. You're going to have an A and a B now in your backfield. Ask, ask my son Harry uh, and Jack, for that matter, my older son. Batman is the man. So I think it's okay for Todd to be Batman. And C.J. Anderson is not a bad Robin for that. Why don't they just I mean, bring them luck, both back? Good luck be... signing someone and telling them they're Robin. I mean, he's not fitting into that Robin outfit. Ouch. Paid him to be Superman, not Batman. Ooh, but I like that. I, I think you're right to point this out too, Wes, that both Snead and Sean McVay, who also spoke Thursday, kind of went out of their way to talk about this issue that they need to think about backing off of Gurley's workload. So I think it is a real thing that they're worrying. They mentioned his ACL injury that he had in college, that, that they want to you know maybe limit him to, I don't know, I'm just going to throw out a number, like 300, 325 touches instead of you know getting closer to 400. But a lot of it is a way to not come around and say, yes, he was not himself down the stretch, and it was health-related. No one inside the Rams organization will admit wait, that outside of C.J. Wait, Anderson. people are speculating about Gurley's knee? 
This this is a ripe for a pretty good conversation. I think we should really dive into this Let's more. Let's dig in because I feel like it's been under discussed. <laughs> it really has. Um, moving on. You ready to move on? Let's move on. Kyler Murray. Heard of that guy? Talk about some prospects. 2019 NFL scouting combine, and he's the big name, the quarterback out of Oklahoma, the reigning uh, Heisman Trophy winner. Finally, after weeks and weeks and weeks of uh, buildup, he measured in. He came in just a touch over 5'10". He, w- he was over 200 pounds. His hands were nine and a half inches, which I guess is fine. I don't know. Seems okay. And uh, I'm fine with it. And he's meeting with a ton of teams, including the Raiders, uh, wonder the Cardinals. We'll see. Um, so here we go. The Kyler Murray train is rolling on the Twitter show that we uh, are around the NFL Twitter show on Thursday. I thought it was interesting. We had our boy Lance Zerline on the show, and uh, he had something interesting to say about Murray and jo- and not Johnny Manziel. Excuse me, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, and how Baker has kind of opened the door for Kyle. Let's listen into that. How about that? You want to just play a clip? Yeah, it's good. Play that clip. My grade on Kyler Murray this year is going to be higher than it was for Baker Mayfield last year. Wow. But you need to know perspective is that Baker Mayfield opened the door for me to give Kyler Murray a higher grade. So I actually like Baker Mayfield more in the process than Kyler Murray, but I was still – I was still in that uh, six-foot quarterback club coming from an Oklahoma offense. It's like and the w- NFL's open to this now or opening up to it. It, it happens that fast, though, yeah. and I know it seems crazy, but as soon as you had that success from Baker, I thought the door mm. opened wide open for Kyler Murray in some circles, and um, it did for me. I try to keep an open mind with my process because it needs to be fluid mm. because the league has never been more fluid than right now. There you go. Lance said it. He might. He doesn't have the size, Mark, but – as we saw with Manz, I said it again, Baker Mayfield last year, uh, who didn't have huge hands, who wasn't the biggest guy. It didn't matter with Baker. He's a star. Well, and it was a year ago that people were making lazy comparisons between Baker Mayfield and Johnny Manziel, and that he blew that away too, that it's, not, it's also the persona. And I think that you heard more coaches this time around than any time before talking about spread offenses and quarterbacks – operating almost exclusively out of the shotgun, which removes some of the height issue and all this other nonsense that, you know, the NFL has long time for a long time been a, an outpost for old thinking that refused to acknowledge the way that college football was evolving. And you can't do that anymore because as soon as one or two or three teams decide to embrace that, everyone else is catching up. And it, it goes right down to the physical makeup of a quarterback. Yeah, we talk about all the time how, how quickly change happens in the NFL, and I thought that was another interesting thing that Lance said, that this really has changed that much the way coaches around the league think of smaller quarterbacks now, that, that they think if Baker Mayfield can come out of that offense at Oklahoma and be success in the NFL, it really lessens their doubts about Kyler Murray. I mean, Gruden said this morning just height, he just doesn't think height's a, that big of a factor. And, I, and the more you hear Gruden and they're going to meet with him, I don't know. Don't you just think Gruden and Mike Mayock are going to just fall in love with one of these guys? Maybe it's not Murray. Maybe it's Dwayne Haskins or whoever. I'm with you. And just, like, think that, hey, we don't plan to be up here that much. And Gruden just loves changing out. Like, that's kind of what I've based. Like, Mark's talked about, you know, the Raiders trading Derek Carr. And the reason it seems so believable, because it just seems like exactly what John Gruden's done throughout his career as a coach and personnel decision maker, is make that type of move. 
I'm with you too, Mark. I, I think by the time this whole process is over, Murray's the first guy that comes up on stage. Hmm. I mean, I I think so too, but I think that also the trading, if, if it's the Raiders who want to try to get up there with a whole trade Derek Carr, it's a bad offseason to try to trade anyone. Well, and it's so tricky. They're handling it better than, let's say, the Cardinals. We should talk about the Josh Rosen Instagram uh, deletion story, yes. right? Because yes. it's all sort, on the agenda. Mark. It's sort of yeah. it's sort of connected, you know. It, it's Let's so, talk about it. I mean, it, it's connected that Rosen, you know, deleted his pictures or, or posts on Instagram that included he went ham the Cardinals. He the bro. He went, much like Mark Brady, who our uh, shadowy league figure, who's really stepping up his selfie what game is Mark's, lately. What is Mark Brady's Instagram handle? Let's get everybody to follow him. <laughs> Mark Patrick Brady. Mark Patrick Brady. Uh, do us a favor. It's a free show. Everyone, go follow Mark Patrick Brady on Instagram. <laughs> let's see how many people. Let's see how many followers we can get. Let's check right now where let's Mark's at. Let's get sixty thousand new followers over the next seventy-two 60, hours. <laughs> we want Mark Patrick Brady to have more followers than any of us. Let's see. So he deleted Josh Rosen, you know, deleted, uh, deleted all the posts with the Cardinals on it. Much like Mark Brady is going to delete, you know, all of his around the NFL posts. The second, like he forces us out of the game. We're helping him out. Uh, (laughs) And it turns out that he actually said on Twitter that he was hacked four or five days ago. And it seems like that's when all the pictures were taken away. So it was before these recent Steve Kime comments, which is just ultra confusing. But either way, the comment, the, the Cardinals picks were taken away. He's it's been annoyed. Crazy. He's been annoyed with the Cardinals. He was annoyed at the because I totally think he did it. Um, I think he scrubbed his profile because he's annoyed about the lack of support he's getting and the speculation around the idea that the Cardinals passive could be aggressive ready to move, move on. And can you imagine he if that is indeed the case and he scrubbed those Cardinals photos five days ago, what he felt about Steve Kimes comments to the world on Wednesday, it is fast becoming. And again, this is speculation, but if that's what happened, a toxic situation with a kid who's 22, 23 years old that you just took and you put him on a bad team. That was that team was crap last year with no support around him. And now you're going to fall out of love with him and kind of drag him through the mud a little bit. I get why he's mad. Now, he should have been more savvy to realize everyone tracks everything on the gram, like Mark Patrick Brady, who you could follow is 230 followers right now. No, 165. 165 followers. Let's put two zeros on that. Let's put a couple zeros on that. <laughs> Let's go for it. At Mark Patrick Brady. We don't ask you much, but we ask you for that. But anyway, he shouldn't have done that, uh, Josh Rosen, because in this world, people track those things. But I get it. I get why he's angry. But he did that because people track those things. I mean, that's the that's the whole point of it. I mean, that's the idea. Julio Jones takes off all the Atlanta Falcons stuff because he wants people to know. That's how he's sending the message, right? I mean, they, I guess he that he could be doing that too. We need to get him. On I mean, record. if he if he thinks it's like some private Ricky, thing, call that up Josh he Rosen, just needs to take the Cardinals out of his no, heart. I think that's he insane. Knows, he knows that people are going to see it, right? No he, doubt. And and as much as yesterday, it's complicated let's say they do want to trade josh rosen i mean they're in a fine spot they have a number one overall draft pick and josh rosen has plenty of value it's not the worst thing in the world if josh rosen got traded at least not for the cardinals yeah maybe let him know ahead of time if you're going to go to a press conference and say that he is just right now our starting quarterback and i have seen and heard uh some people think that if josh rosen came out this year he would be the number one quarterback picked in the draft so I wonder if there is an actual trade, how 
deflated his value would be. I, I by don't the think he would be the number season. one quarterback picked by the Cardinals at number one this year. I think that's the big <laughs> issue. I, that's fair. I think he could still get a first round. You'd, you'd absolutely oh, yeah. get a first round pick for him. By the way, maybe he would have been though because Steve Kime is the. This isn't a new GM either. It's not like it's a new regime came in and fell out of love with the kid. Like Kime loved Rosen enough to take him in the first yeah, round. Yeah, but I think a lot of this comes down to. Cliff Kingsbury's offense versus who was there last year. I don't think this would be an issue if they had, if, if Steve Wilkes were still there or anyone else. Um, all right, let's move on. Some legal news. Uh, we have, uh, Let's circle back to the Robert Kraft situation. The Patriots owner has pleaded not guilty to solicitation charges according to co- court documents released on Thursday. Um, Kraft's attorney filed a written plea with the Palm Beach County Court on Wednesday. Uh, Kraft... He wants a non-jury trial. Authorities, of course, say Kraft entered a Florida massage parlor for sex acts on the morning of the AFC title game, which is an interesting wrinkle to this whole story, then got on a plane and attended uh, the game in Kansas City that day. So this uh, whole story, which is obviously a bad look for the Patriots, it's a bad look for Kraft, and what could it mean? Uh, We don't know. We're going to find out whether or not he gets – uh, prosecuted or successfully prosecuted down in Florida. We'll find out what kind of punishment he gets. There's a good chance he gets punishment by the NFL, which does not need uh, a guilty, anybody to be found guilty to still get punished in the league. Think back to Jim Irsay, who actually did get punished by the law as well, but he got suspended in a big fine. You imagine Kraft could be in line for that, but there are other factors, uh, Greg, as well, that Kraft could be up against after what was a highly unfortunate event in his life. I'm not even going to put an opinion on this, but I heard that there is some talk among Hall of Fame voters here at the Combine wondering about how that would impact his chances and and that they thought it would. That that it's very important to him to be be a Hall of Famer and that this certainly could be something that, that would get in the way of that. The voters are specifically instructed not to take any of that into account when they're voting. Which is really frustrating. I agree, Wes, because they seem to totally I mean, they go do. back on They do. So. Right, they do. Um, in other news, uh, legal news, Demarius Thomas, who we last, last saw being carted off the field with a lower leg injury, wide receiver with the Texans, uh, his big years, of course, with the Broncos. He's been arrested on allegations, in, including vehicular assault, stemming from a crash earlier uh, this month. Uh, so just add, Wes, I don't know, did did he land in the top 101 no. free agents? No. He didn't make it. This is a guy that already who's had a great career in the NFL, uh, whose back was against the wall on the wrong side of 30, coming off a lower body injury. Now he has legal proceedings. It is not going to be a hot free agent market, put it that way. No, because he's not going to be able to work out for a while with that Achilles injury. And the last two teams that had him, the Broncos and Texans, have no real interest in him this time around. The Texans, their GM, Brian Game, was talking today. And he really likes his wide receiver core right now with Kiki QT emerging and and Will Fuller coming back from an ACL injury. I mean, he's got bigger problems, though. That's that's a no-joke. Yeah. Vehicular, you know, that's a no-joke charge that he's facing. (laughs) Um, all right, that's uh, that's what's kind of happening in the news. Uh, like yesterday, it was fun yesterday. We did some uh, other takeaways from uh, what we've seen in the last 24 hours or so. Greg, want to get us going with some other takeaways? Oh, wow. What, do you want me to get it going? No, I, I can all go. All right, go ahead. How about this? <laughs> I, I, I've noticed the la- last couple of days with the Vikings talking, Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, 
Gary Kubiak is running the show in that building on offense. There's a guy, Kevin Stefanski is there. I don't know if you remember. He, he was the offensive coordinator after they um, you know, made a change in December last year. He interviewed for a head coaching job. He has the title of offensive coordinator. It doesn't matter. Kubes has come in there. He's running the show. He brought all these assistants in. They're not even trying to hide it. They're bringing his entire running scheme. They're going to look for different zone runners. And the way Zimmer was talking uh, about Kubiak, he's just like excited to hear Kubiak talk about all the old days under Bill Walsh and all this stuff. It's just a strange situation, but they're acknowledging that Stefanski, who has the title of offensive coordinator, is basically reporting to Kubiak. I can't remember a setup quite like that before, but I guess it can work. Kevin Stefanski, like the analytics department in Cleveland, there was a, a cross section of them that thought he very highly of him as the perfect mixture to make the next head coach. And maybe Mike Zimmer is not caring so much about the analytics results on Kevin Stefanski. I think Gary Kubiak is sort of like the offensive version of Wade Phillips. He's one of the best offensive coordinators of this century. I agree. Uh, Let me throw something out there. I don't think it's really been anybody's kind of speculated on that. But Doug Baldwin, the star wideout for the Seahawks, uh, Pete Carroll revealed during his presser that Baldwin underwent knee and shoulder surgeries after the season. This is a guy – um, that seems to be beat up a lot. He also is now on the wrong side of 30. Uh, I, lo- I checked out Over the Cap, which is a great resource uh, for anybody that follows football. Uh, and the Seahawks are uh, flush with uh, cap space, 75 million. Uh, excuse me, they have 51 million in cap space, which puts them in the top 10. I wonder if they would be a suitor for Antonio Brown. Mm. Uh, Seattle, uh, it's a situation where Pittsburgh could send him out of the conference far, far away, and uh, Russell Wilson gets a big, big weapon, which he could probably use, especially with Baldwin coming off uh, some surgeries. I, I had the thought while I was listening to John Schneider yesterday that, or Wednesday that they are happy with their wide receiver core. That Ty- mm-hmm. Tyler Lockett had a really good year. DJ Moore emerged as a pretty good number three. And Baldwin will eventually be healthy again. You're right. You never know if he'll be the same Who's player. Who's made more, again. like, kind of big-time surprising trades, though, than the Seahawks? Percy Harvin, and they've been, Dwayne Brown. Yeah. Like, they're not afraid to go make a big they'll splash. They'll give up first-round picks, too. I mean, it's – I like that. That would, also, fit, I mean, that would fit the Pittsburgh side. They That would fit for Pittsburgh. I think also Seattle surprised a lot of us last year uh, by by turning things around very quickly. But they still, I feel like they n- might need more to get over the hump and be a real NFC threat. And yes, maybe it's a crowded situation there uh, if you had Antonio Brown. But all of a sudden, I mean, Russell Wilson, people kind of sleep on how awesome he was last year. Statistically, threw le- 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 never threw fewer passes. Uh, and yet, threw 35 touchdowns, barely turned the ball over. That's a fun spot. I mean, it's like Brian Schottenheimer and Antonio Brown. What could go wrong? <laughs> uh, Wes, got a takeaway? Yeah, I think we've been doing this show about six years now, and for the bulk of that time, I mean, for 99% of the time, I've thought very little of the Cleveland Browns and their leadership and their chances of ever getting out of the hole that they were in. And I, I think way differently about them now. After hearing John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens, and Dorsey was saying Thursday morning, Freddie, is, he's real, he's honest, he believes in family, he's a check-your-ego-at-the-door kind of guy. And we kind of wondered if he just got the job because he was good with Baker Mayfield. And I think what we saw at the Combine is that Freddie Kitchens got the job because he deserved to have the job. Hmm. And that now he and the GM are in lockstep on on this team, on on what's going on. I think this is a team with an extremely bright future. 
and I love everything going on with the Cleveland Browns right now. Well, and the and he took a selfie with Mark Sessler. I mean, I would say well, like, beaming. I, Mark I took Sessler. one with him. I don't think it was. It wasn't <laughs> what was it? His... You were walking by, and well, you I saw you, guys, you just like magically left, saw him. I left Dan and and Erica and the rest last night, and was I had the worst sense of direction, and it took me like twenty minutes longer to walk home than it should have. And this little tavern next to our hotel was closing, and I basically looked through the door and saw K- Freddie Kitchens and a bunch of like burly football dudes. Hang on, I'm, like, I'm gonna walk in there and I'm going to get a photo with this guy, and I did, and then I went home. But he couldn't have been nicer. <laughs> he was totally cool, and everyone around him, some guys were like, wait, who is that? They didn't even know it was Freddie Kitchens. These other two dudes that were sit there already sitting there talking to him. He looks like an everyman. You know, he's a big guy, Freddie, but yeah, I could see he doesn't maybe cut the, the figure of, like, a John Harbaugh type. You know? But he scored points with me in my head for not being at, like, some she-she, like, must-be-seen mm-hmm. place. He was somewhere where it was just dudes. Was hanging it Low out. Miller's or whatever? Yeah, that it was place that place. Is? But I didn't want to. Call, I mean, I don't want people running out there to try to find him the rest of the week. But <laughs> not every, seemed like his place. So you're so protective. Not every GM <laughs> would have hired him because he, no. he doesn't care about image. He's mm. not extremely polished. He doesn't fit the prototype of what you're looking for. He's almost a little too real and genuine. John Dorsey, by the way, uh, revealed he always wears that same brown sweatshirt. He has seven of them. Same shirt. He's like Homer one for Simpson. every day of the week. Yeah, he just wears one every day. And he wore them with like very baggy brown corduroy. So I, like I, the whole thing is. We've been noticing nice, his sense of and style nice sneakers, for a long though. Like, I mean, so it's, it's a, a strange... bit, but he's sticking with it. Uh, Mark, you got a takeaway? You know, I was. I think all last season, actually, the last couple of years, the Rams they annoyed me, and I couldn't quite figure out why. Because there's a lot to like. They're in our hometown. My kids start to like the Rams. What is my issue? But it was just <laughs> too easy for them. And they were suddenly in the Super Bowl. And to me, I just I like to see teams go through stuff. And I, I thought that Sean McVay, you know, who could have taken today's press conference in a lot of different directions. And in the past, you've heard like, oh, we've got to spend. You know, I think with the Falcons lost to the Patriots, there was such a narrative, like the whole team psychologically trying to overcome that. And they really essentially haven't. But the Rams under McVay, I, I thought because I watched him on the set early on with Good Morning Football and then come over and talk to everyone else. I buy into him entirely as much as you could because I think that he is built to take the Rams back and that they he he talked about liking this much as as much as he ever ever has February into March into April and this whole process that it's not just how do we get back to 6 and 0 there's a lot else to do I find them more likable now because they've been through something they've been knocked down let's see if they can get back up He he said on Pro Football Talk today he's gone from uh, boy wonder to boy blunder I mean, he's even got, pretty good. He's got lines. That's well done. That's a good way to motivate yourself. I it is. I think it actually, I know it's been talked about, but almost not enough was made for the amount of praise, the heaping praise, and earned. Sean McVay's gotten in the last two years how bad they played in that Super Bowl in offense. And obviously the quarterback was a big problem, and Gurley, whatever was going on with Todd Gurley is a big issue. But their inability to ever – dig out and even really scored three points in the year 2019 and that was their identity i mean it has to sting as every super bowl loss stings like crazy but But the way they lost that just has to go into halftime like all right mcveigh's gonna draw something up it just never happened and that was some shine was taken off and he's got to bounce back from that i i learned a, a little nugget you know uh been talking about scangarello the uh offensive coordinator of the broncos kind of an x factor in the uh 2019. No, not Skango. Everyone calls him Skangs. 
<laughs> that's the truth. That's they were just the like, nugget. yeah, that's the nugget. I was just like, they were. Oh, yeah, Elway was talking about. He's like, oh yes, yeah, you know, Skangs. Did, or no, it was a, it was John Lynch. It was like Skangs did a great job last year. You know, coaching up Jimmy Garoppolo and all, all this stuff. It's like, you know, Skangs. You know, that, that's what I learned about Skangs. What would you Skank. want the nickname to be if you were him, <laughs> Skango or Skangs or Skangy? Skank. I would say Skank. Skangs is terrible. Hey Skank, get over here. I mean, I'm sure he's gotten that. Yeah. Um, if you guys, if you guys heard maybe during the pressers, a little chirp of a canary, maybe a smell like of sulfur. Let's get two coal town guys. We're chatting. And, uh, listen, growing up in Pearl River, it's, it's different. It's different. It bonds you because it is working class. It is people trying to survive. Bucolic, like. One percenters trying to survive. Day by day, just trying to get by. And it's a brotherhood. And so when Brian Gain, who grew up in Pearl River, in Quake Lane, when I see him on the on the podium, I, I have to grab him. I go, hey, Pearl River, man, me too. We have a nice chat. And uh, I, I share a little news that surprised him, that uh, back in the late 90s, 1998, um, I was a senior in high school. And um, during a study hall class, we had a substitute teacher, and it was none other than 23-year-old Brian Gain, who at the time was trying to catch on with the Jets and the Giants and even the Colts practice squad. He never made it to the NFL, but he had a nice college career, I believe, at Delaware, played at Don Bosco Prep right over the border in Jersey. But a Pearl River guy, his parents still live in Pearl River, and he he was my study hall teacher. And I remember talking to him and being obviously – uh, I was about 17, he was 23, just being in awe of this dude who seemed to be on the right path. And it turned out that he was. What, is, what was his response to this? He was, he was very cool. He was nice about it. And he, he said, uh, like I mentioned my friend Bob, who I do the throwback podcast with, who lived, grew up like three doors down. And uh, Bob's family used to call the games the basketball boys because all the brothers used to be in the driveway playing basketball all the time. I'm sure it was an athletic family. Mm. I mean, I know in the in the with in the, with the Cold Town situation, the respiratory right. issues when you're an adult are very uh, heavy and encumbered. Like, well, how is he notice, doing with that? Did you notice during the press conference he was hacking a lot? I didn't because he was wearing like um, a out. V-neck sweater and a, and a $200 shirt and looked right. like kind of a, the dad from 90210 to me. Yeah, but. he he got out and I yeah. got out and I love Pearl River to this day, but. We could, you yeah. could take us out of Pearl River. But so does the magazine that said it was of one of us. the nicest places to live in America. And you know what? That magazine's right. Absolutely right. Don't don't take it away from us. Well, what about when you brought up uh, a story? You tra- you know you're trying to like get in good with him, and you said, "Oh yeah, rem- I remember you you said that day that you were going to see Private Parts, the Howard Stern movie, yeah. and then he just shot your story right then." Nope, he, that wasn't me. He he said <laughs> he said that wasn't me, and you know what? I wa- I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and and say that maybe I was talking to a different substitute teacher, but my memory is pretty clear that he was pumped up to see that movie. Uh, but it wasn't like he wasn't a jerk about it. He's like, no, you got the wrong guy. But was that the like the last part of your conversation? <laughs> I, no. What? This is why you're a bad person. <laughs> was he <laughs> was like, he a good substitute teacher? So is that how it ended? So it didn't end well, I guess. <laughs> it was a bad conversation, as it turns out. <laughs> that was good. It was fun. For the record, Brian Gain has has the look of somebody who may be like the attorney for the coal mine company. Uh, yeah. No. He, he's. Listen, that's one of my big ta- final takeaway for me um, is 
Why are all the coaches and GMs like good looking now? Remember like the old days? They, you the know, handsome Bump Phillips factor has and gone way all up. these guys that were just a, a wreck physically. Now it's it's just like, come on, you're gonna be better looking than this too. I don't know if we need a shot at Bump Phillips. No, Bump's fine. Take that back. <laughs> okay, thank you. Are you? Uh, have you noticed that as well? I have. I think it's because you're essentially the front facing CEO at this point, where they used to not do. 20 minutes of media every day that NFL Network and ESPN broadcast to like 4 billion homes. Yeah. So you can't roll in there looking like, you know, 12 sheets to the wind. You haven't jogged since 1988. <laughs> it doesn't fly at the same way. It would be like a, a good sign for the job if the guy was slovenly. He's like, oh, he's a grinder. He's underground yeah, well, 23 hours a day chewing up tape. Doesn't work it's that way. Image does. conscious. Now you're the CEO. Um, I do have one final thought, gentlemen. Uh, Tom Telesco, the GM of the Chargers – uh, was asked um, about the quarterback draft class, and this is how he beca- he began his answer. Not so much Daniel Jeremiah, but to give you a quarterback analysis of the group. But Now, I know uh, Telesco and obviously DJ have ties. They, they know each other, and also DJ is the color guy for the Chargers. But I just want to say this, when you talk about making the leap, Greg, one of your famous series uh, that you write, this is the combine of DJ. I feel like, and of course, Mayock moves out of the picture and into a front office. DJ, more than ever, Daniel Jeremiah, is having a moment right now. The fact that he is now a brand that you bring up DJ as, hey, I'm, I'm no Daniel Jeremiah. DJ, and he should start a podcast because it seems like he has a lot to offer. Yeah. He's having a moment. I got to tip my hat to the guy. I got to say it. And the, the company hasn't man. even started. I mean, you're right. He's going to be the, – the football world's going to be watching him Saturday and Sunday and throughout. He's probably going to be a general manager in like three years. Yeah, I think when he – because now if you were to text him, he will text you back. The minute he's encamped with a team with real information, right. that's the end of our relationship. But it really is. Like I, I saw it in the lobby at our hotel uh, outside the coffee shop. If you try to make eye contact when you start walking towards, all of a sudden it's like the Beatles, like four like pasty scouts or all these different people crowd around him. Everyone wants a piece of Jeremiah. Do you really want your GM saying that he doesn't know as much as an NFL Network analyst? I would want my GM to say, actually, I do scout quarterbacks and I do watch them and I do have a take here. But I get, I get what's He's happening. A, you know, Telesco's just trying to get a little pop. I, I mean, get it. That might be the first time he was mentioned know. on this podcast in about three years. So <laughs> it worked. DJ's having a good life. No, he's doing a nice job. He's one of those guys who's just good at living. He's good. He's having yeah. a nice time. Got the kids kind of done early, and so he's going to be like an Treats empty house well. at like early 40s. It's all happening. Living in San Diego, great quality of life. Look, about face on DJ. But speaking of which, Mark, dining with DJ, still hit him up, at Move the Sticks, <laughs> hashtag, hashtag dining with DJ. I think now as you see his trajectory, why would you not want to be with him the night before the draft on that Proud Mary cruise ship where you right. have, I think I've, they said it's like a three- or four-hour window. It's lobster, champagne, and it's like five people and DJ. This is when everyone wants to have dinner with DJ. This is your chance. And not for lightweights. So you have to tweet them, and you have to use the hashtag. And it's there are people currently going through. There's one winner. What, potential winner has been picked already. But oh. there's a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of the rest need to produce exciting. a little bit more. Very exciting. Content, please. All right. There we go. Any uh, Anything else? We are now no, we're we going are to St. Elmo. Final takes at this we, point. Are, we are then on a plane back to Culver for another. Actually, yeah, let's talk about Vic Beasley is going to be returning <laughs> to the Falcons. I think it's a great week for the Jaguars. They got Marcel Darius to take a pay cut, and mm, uh, Nick Foles is on a platter for them. Emmanuel Sanders can't believe he's going to be back. Wow. <laughs> anything else on the Panthers? <laughs> Absolutely zero. All right. This is Dan Hansis signing off. Four, Quiet Storm.
the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood sitting on the stool. You got you're in a chair. Progress. Yep. <laughs> Till Monday. Enjoy the combine. Yep. Yep. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.